on, everybody? It's your buddy, it's your pal, Spaz Phoenix, the YWC Reality Check, here with your predictions for NXT Halloween Havoc Night 1. Why am I only doing Night 1? Because we realistically only have a card for Night 1. Ilya Dragunov versus uh, Carmelo Hayes is going to be on Night 2. The finals of the Women's Breakout Tournament is going to be on Night 2, but that's basically all we have for Night 2, so I'm guessing on Night 1 we're going to build towards Night 2, and I'm going to do another... Uh, podcast like this one. So I'm going to have to do this one in halves. It's going to be like a mini WrestleMania, except spread over two weeks and not at all a WrestleMania. Anyways, going to be a lot of fun. I don't think there's going to be a lot of really big, decisive shit going on on this show. I do think there's going to be a lot of fun. It's NXT in its current iteration. It's Halloween, so you know I love it. It's an elevated episode of the weekly show, and it's not a proper pay-per-view. So all things being told, I don't expect it to set the world on fire. I do expect it to be a lot of fun. I'm really biased. I really like Halloween. I like the fact that if anybody was going to adopt the Halloween Havoc uh, sort of mantra, that it, that it was NXT. Now, I will say, like I say every year, I would love for this to become a proper pay-per-view. I really would. But for right now, we'll have to settle for it the way it is, what it is. It it does feel weird for them to do an elevated episode of NXT after the episode of NXT that squashed Dynamite. Oh yes, the squash. Um, never really done the proper ratings breakdown before. If you want to see the ratings breakdown that I did on NXT, please go check out the, uh, the one that I did one or two pods ago. Also went into quite a rant about the... Uh, MJF and Juice Robinson thing, because I think that was morally reprehensible. But, but, we're not focusing on that tonight, we're focusing on this tonight, and, uh, it's worth, it's worth pointing out, including the main event, there's five, five women's matches on this show, which makes me think of the five women that are going to fight for a women's championship in Saudi Arabia. Neither of these are things that Mr. Tony Khan would ever do. And does that make me childish? Absolutely. Is it true? Absolutely. So, let's talk about the breakout tournament first, because I, really uh, I really don't know what embellishment I can put into this. It's Lola Weiss versus Carmen Petrovic and Kalani Jordan versus Ariane Grace in the two semifinals. I mean, Kalani Jordan's winning the tournament. <laughs> So it's going to be her versus Lola Vice in the finals. Lola Vice uh, is getting a lot of rave reviews. I, I don't think she's bad. I just don't think she jumps out to me. I wish Kalani Jordan versus Ariane Grace, which is the semifinal, was the final. Um, I do think it's kind of cool that it's Santino Morello's daughter. I do think it's kind of cool this weird pageant, uh, pageantry gimmick that she has going on, the Miss NXT thing, is really cool. It's really... Um, to give some credit, on the other side of the coin, you've got Tony Storm in AEW that's doing this sort of like 50s black and white actress thing that she's doing, and it's it's weird enough to be really good, and she's good in the ring, and Ariane Grace, I've seen all of one match of, so a fun gimmick versus Kalani Jordan, who I know is going to win, and Carmen Petrovic and Lola Vice competing to be the one that Kalani Jordan wins, because I think she's winning the whole damn tournament. Um... That sounds like I'm being dismissive. I'm really not. Kalani Jordan was doing that whole gimmick where she was the 
uh, protege of, of Dana Brooke, but then Dana Brooke got let go in the most recent set of releases. I do think it's kind of cool how she has incorporated some Dana Brooke-esque uh, elements to her in-ring stuff. I think she did the, um, she does the posing, she does the, the backspring elbow thing and all that kind of thing. I gotta say, uh, as I pause myself mid-thought, I really don't have a voice this week. I'm recording this on Wednesday uh, instead of watching Dynamite, uh, if you really must know. So if anything changes um, from between now and the time that you guys actually get this, then I can't really do anything about it. And if I sound like crap, I apologize. Thanks for listening anyway. Uh, Lola Vice, Kalani Jordan are going to go on, and then the following week, Kalani Jordan's going to win the whole thing. That's my early prediction. There's a prediction for night two for you. Uh, we got two spin the wheel, make the deal matches, and they are both women's matches as well. Gigi Dolan versus Blair Davenport is going to be a, it's a lights out match and a devil's playground match. So there's, there's two hardcore matches. It's absolutely fine. I, I do love the fact that the show is being hosted by Shotzi Blackheart, who before she even got to NXT said she wanted to be the woman to bring hardcore women's wrestling to the WWE. So that's a really cool thing. Shots, I should say, Shotzi and Scarlett being the co-hosts this year, I don't know whether both of them are doing both nights, or whether she's going to host night one, Scarlett's going to host night two, or whether a completely different set of people are going to host night two, I don't really know. Uh, the band New Year's Day, who I've never heard of, are going to be there live to perform their song Vampire, which I've never heard, but it's the theme song of of Halloween Havoc, so all of that is, is fun time. Shotzi's always a good time, like, goddamn... Her match with Kiana James this past week was a lot of fun. She, since she got the haircut and she's doing the spiky thing, and if you follow her on social media, she's taking the spiky hair into like, like a Hellraiser type gimmick. I will say, if you're a fan of Shotzi Blackheart, or if you're a fan of horror movies, Halloween, etc., go follow her channel on YouTube, because she has a whole channel where she just talks about horror movies, and it's fucking awesome. They're like little 5-10 minute videos, they're like bite-sized content, and they're Really awesome, and yes, I'm really biased because I met her at Destiny. Check it off your Spaz Phoenix bucket list. It's fine. Um, because it's a fun show, I think you're going to get two back-to-back feel-good moments. Kiana James is such a badass heel and knows exactly what she's doing with the whole businesswoman shtick that a loss isn't going to hurt her, and Roxanne Perez should be on the main roster already, so she's going to win the Devil's Playground match. And the Lights Out match, Gigi Dolan versus Blair Davenport, it's, it's different. Because we've had a lot of Gigi Dolan, and Blair Davenport was only revealed as the parking lot assault person uh, because Indy Hartwell got injured and then got called up to the main roster. Let's be real for a second. Um, Roxanne Perez is going to win. Gigi Dolan's going to win. I kind of want Blair Davenport to win, because Blair Davenport's kind of playing like the dangerous monster heel, I just want to hurt people character, and she's definitely doing that. Gigi Dolan, at this point, I think she can eat a loss right now, because I don't think they're lining her up for a title shot anytime soon, which is a bummer. I wish they would. I think um, even just as an exhibition, Gigi Dolan and Becky Lynch would be fucking awesome. Don't get me wrong. But... Um, for where they are in their two respective roles and who's uh, a little farther along in their respective role. I think Blair Davenport should get the win here if it's a no rules match and she's the one that's been going around hurting everybody. I think she should win. Uh, but with it being a lighthearted Halloween fun show, not a pay-per-view, 
I think they're going to want to give people mostly send the crowd home happy type moments. So Gigi Dolan gets the win, and it's no it's no shade on Gigi. I'm I'm happy for her to have a victory as well. Um, because the matches are so similar, lights out match. The last lights out match they had was with oh, what's her name, the chick that was asleep all the time, Wendy Chu, and the whole thing was that she was asleep half the time and she came out in like bed stuff, which we don't need to go there. Um, I have a feeling this is going to be a little bit more on the straight lights out hardcore uh, gimmick. So that and the Devil's Pla Devil's Playground is probably going to be more weapons based and. Uh, Lights Out Match is probably just going to be more of a outside-the-ring brawl if they want to differentiate the two. Uh, like Devil's Playground, I equate that with something like a Weapons Wild match. If you look at the wheel, and uh, I think it was Simon Miller that po uh, pointed this out on What Culture, all the, all the stipulations on the wheel, except for a couple that are on there just as jokes, um, they're all basically hardcore matches <laughs> with one or two uh, distinctions here or there. Spin the wheel, make the deal, a lot of fun. They're keeping that consistent with the Halloween Havoc theme. They're keeping that consistent with NXT. Uh, Shotzi Blackheart, I think, was actually the one that um, introduced the wheel the second time this past week on NXT to get one of the matches set up. You can have a flashback to when The Way were still in NXT and Johnny Gargano, I hate wheels. So I do like the fact that they're keeping that up as a thing. No opponent listed, but we are getting the debut next week of Lexus King, the former Brian Pillman Jr. This gimmick that they've got with him, I watched him in, in AEW, in the tag team that he had with Griff Garrison, and they lost their third, uh, to Julia Hart, to the House of Black, and I hate to say it, and I'm not digging Griff Garrison, who I think has fallen into a black hole, and I'm not digging um, Brian Pillman Jr., but, I mean, look at Julia Hart. Um, you guys know how I feel about AEW, but one of the coolest character things they've done in a while is the absolute way that Julia Hart has adopted this sort of, like, it's lazy to say, but female Undertaker type of gimmick, and the way that she's done that is made me give a whole lot more of a shit than what she was doing as the cheerleader with the jocks, and that, that's, that didn't really do anything for me, I'm not gonna lie. Uh, this whole thing where he resents being called by Brian Pillman's name, because he never really knew him, he hated lying to all the other wrestlers that uh, grew up knowing his dad better than he did, so he's pushing all that away. The way they've done this thing, and I'm, I've mentioned it before, um, you know, name changes in WWE when people come in are usually pretty lame. Let's be real for a second. But the way they put the name together, um, the name King being like his actual, like whoever his actual father figure was, and uh, Lexus being for his sister Alexis, I think is the way that story goes, is... It's good. I can buy it. I, I can get invested in it rather than roll my eyes at it. It's like, not that WWE ever did anything with him, but it was like the explanation behind Curtis Axel. Michael McGillicuddy becoming Curtis Axel made sense when they told you why. When they give you a reason, like when Priscilla Kelly came to the WWE, I'm sure there is a story, but I don't know why she's called Gigi Dolan now. This works, and... They didn't do... Uh, again, AEW has platformed a lot of people and, and pushed a lot of people. Brian Pillman wasn't really one of them. Brian Pillman in the tag team of the Varsity Blondes, was it? Wasn't really... They were a jobber tag team. 
did I ever think they were going to win a match? No. The way they're presenting him here, um, the way they're presenting him, his debut on a elevated episode, and they're making his debut one of the key features of this elevated television special, makes me think almost immediately that this guy is going to be treated like a big deal. It's very much like... I've been saying for the past couple of weeks, I'm not the biggest Jade Cargill fan, but the way that WWE has treated her <coughs> before she's technically made a debut, before she's really even shown up on a show, she's just kind of been, you know, glad-handing in the back and staring down a couple people. Um, one, it's going to be great for Lexus King, it's going to be great for Jade Cargill. I mean, Cody Rhodes is a slightly different case because he was kind of coming home again. But seeing these kind of presentations and these kind of welcomes to the company makes me a little bit more hopeful for other people that I would like to see come over, like a, like a Daniel Garcia or a Sammy Guevara or a return of FTR or something like that. So, very, very cool. I don't think who he's facing is really going to matter. It's definitely going to be a squash match. Uh, there's footage floating around right now that he has made his in-ring debut <coughs> off of television. On uh, on sort of like the the Florida house show loop, and you know you can't really tell much from that to be perfectly honest with you. But I'm I'm looking at it. I'm looking forward to it. And as soon as he debuts in NXT, I'm going to put uh, what I did see, what I have seen on on my television from AEW of Brian Pillman Jr. in a box, stick it on the shelf. Okay, starting from day one, Lexus King, moving forward. For the tag team titles, for the tag team titles, not that I think that they're going to change hands, but this is just a fun match, isn't it? It's the family, Tony D and Stax, taking on Chase U, Andre Chase, and uh, Duke Hudson, with, um, what's her name? God damn it, Thea Hale and JC Jane in their corners. Now, I will not go into this very much, because... Once again, I'll tip my hat to what culture. The uh, the fact that J.C. Jane is supposedly corrupting Thea Hale, but while she's been corrupted, she's had a better winning, uh, a better winning win loss record, I should say. She's been going to class. She's been boosting her Chase U mates even more. Um, so she's been corrupted in a positive direction. I don't know. Is this where J.C. Jane shows her true colors and finally turns on Chase U and costs them the title shot? Is this where both of the girls fuck over Chase U? Or is this just the family wins because the family is over as hell? Um, my worry, as always, is uh, the conversation we always have. You know, after Carmelo Hayes lost his title, was he going to go up to the main roster? Sure, Carmelo Hayes should be on the main roster. Like I say, a Roxanne Perez should be on the main roster. If the family, if Tony D and Stax lose those tag team titles, are they going to the main roster? It's the only one where I kind of pull back and I just, I still have that lingering, uh, is this going to die a thousand deaths on the main roster feeling? I hope not. But I also think the family could uh, could stay. The Bada Boom Bada Bing Battle Royal was a lot of fun. I did think for a second that they were going to give it to Humberto and Garza just because they've sort of rebranded them as more serious wrestlers. They're not Los Lotharios anymore. They've got their Freddy Cougar tattoos and all that shit. So they're going to do something at some point. Um, what's the name? Umberto Carrillo has those pants that are like half long wrestling tights and half uh, old school Buddy Murphy <laughs> tights with the shreds. 
it's interesting. It's different. The um, the whole uh, battle royal until the last two teams, and then down to a straight match where where the uh, the creeds kind of got fucked actually. <laughs> so that's going to happen at some point. Um, the brawling brutes being on NXT as a tag team uh, has lasted way longer than I thought it would. Um, everybody else is excited about Into Mud, and I couldn't give three less fucks. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. Um, it's gonna be a lot of fun. It's gonna be character-driven. Andre Chase going up against Tony D is going to be hilarious. And send a shout-out to Michael Sidgwick, Michael Hamlet, Adam Wilborn. Um, when they have to review this show, um, Adam Wilborn in the impressions is gonna go fucking nuts. Is he not? <clears throat> Let's talk about something else. Let's talk about something a little bit different. Because one of the more surprisingly serious things they've done on NXT recently is the concussion story of Von Wagner uh, going back to his childhood when he basically had to have his skull reconstructed because he had some kind of, you know, malformation and he was mistreated as a kid and all these other things. Um, I've, I don't know if I've talked about this at, at length before. It feels out of place. The seriousness of the story feels out of place on NXT. And it doesn't mean that silly NXT is bad. It doesn't mean a serious story is bad. But they just they don't seem to mesh very well. But they did the thing where they cut to black and Braun Breaker did the thing with the stabs. It was very effectively done. Um, if nothing else. Uh, Von Wagner sort of becoming everybody's favorite Frankenstein is kind of funny. People have, have hinted at the fact that while, while they put his head back together, he's actually going to show up on Halloween Havoc as Frankenstein. Um, but we're getting Braun Breaker versus Mr. Stone. And that's just because he got up in Braun Breaker's face. After what happened at the last pay-per-view where he jumped on uh, Braun Breaker's back and got his ass handed to him. And uh, he got so pissed off about what's happened to his friend Von Wagner that he challenged Braun Breaker and then immediately realized what he had done. I'll tell you the brilliance of this. And I don't know that mo many people are going to settle on, on this part of it, right? For those of you that don't know, for those of you that never watched Impact, and I'm not being condescending, a lot of people don't watch Impact, uh, Mr. Stone used to be Robbie E. He's a wrestler. Mr. Stone is a wrestler, or has been a wrestler at the very least. Uh, the only wrestling match we've seen him in in NXT is a match that he had with Rhea Ripley, ironically, where he just got his ass handed to him, because that's what WWE does. The thing that's cool about Mr. Stone is that he is a wrestler, but he's so into this character as the dorky, hapless, sort of helpless manager that puts his foot in his mouth, that even though I know he's a wrestler, I'm going to watch this show next week thinking, why is Braun Breaker beating the fuck out of that manager? And I don't know how they've achieved that, because I definitely watched Robbie E. and, um, and uh, Zima Ion who is now uh, Joaquin Wild in Legato del Fantasma, when they were in a group and they were like, they had like the DJ gimmick in TNA, and it was what it was. They all had big hair and they did stuff with Snooki. I mean, Snooki also was at WrestleMania, so who knows what the fuck I'm talking about. This is going to be Mr. Stone either 
getting his ass handed to him around the ring, or this is going to be Mr. Stone actually becoming a wrestler. Do I actually think that's going to happen? Probably not. Um, if there's some reason that he hasn't been a wrestler, that he's only been a manager, like did he get injured before he got to NXT? I don't know. I've never heard any stories like that. You don't want to hear a story like Corey Graves, who was a wrestler, got himself injured, was told he couldn't wrestle anymore, so he became a commentator. Um... I mean, rumors recently have been actually that Corey Graves is cleared. I would love to see Corey Graves in the ring again, if that's a possibility. But if that's not the case here, I'd, I'd really like to know why Mr. Stone has has a manager's role here and has never actually wrestled other than comedically getting his ass handed to him by Rhea Ripley, which just puts him in the same category as somebody like a Paul Heyman or a Paul Bearer. Rest in peace. No pun intended. Um, whatever this is, is going to be fun. It could be a five-second slam him, pin him, and treat it like he just won at WrestleMania because Braun Breaker's a dick. It could be have him beaten in five seconds, but then make it last a couple minutes because you want to torture the guy because Braun Breaker's a dick, and I think either one of those will work. If you get a couple flurries from Mr. Stone, or if he actually decides to become a wrestler, I think that would be fantastic. I think... Von Wagner and Mr. Stone becoming tag team champions. Throw the two of them in with the family and chase you. Then you've got a hell of a of a mix of people there. I don't know what to say with that match, though. I really don't. The main event, like I say, five women's matches on this show. Tony Khan could never. Becky Lynch versus Lyra Valkyria, which started off as a, oh my god, I grew up you know, worshipping you because we came from the same place, you came from just down the road from me, and you, you know, you're such an inspiration to everybody back home, and then suddenly, this week, Lyra Valkyrie is like, actually, nah, I'm kind of pissed off that you were the first Irish-born women's champion, not me. And it's like, to be fair, how, how long has Becky Lynch been in the WWE, and she was never the NXT women's champion, but, I mean, look who she had to contend with at the time. Not seeing Sasha Banks specifically. Oh, by the way, oh, by the way, Sasha Banks, Mercedes Varnado, Mercedes Monet, whatever, that clip that's going around that everybody loves, she's a cunt. Just saying. Um, yeah, Becky versus Lyra. I think this is one of those... This is going to be what it was when Lyra took on Rhea Ripley. She's going to put on a hell of a fight. Becky Lynch is probably going to even respectfully raise her hand at the end. But Becky Becky Lynch is walking away from this championship. She's going to walk into deadline. Unless... They're doing the Iron Survivor. But if they do... Would they do an Iron Survivor for the title? That could be interesting. Put Becky Lynch in the Iron Survivor defending her championship. I had never thought of that until just now, so you guys are seeing my thought process in real time. Becky and Lyra is going to be a great match. It's going to be a great showcase for Lyra. It, <coughs> it's going to be a great showcase for what Becky Lynch is doing for the division again. I think it's kind of funny. Um, I mean, the story on SmackDown is EO Sky being champion for the first time. The story on Raw and the story on NXT is Becky Lynch and Rhea Ripley, respectively, taking control of their divisions, Rhea Ripley squashing her division so that she stays on top, Becky Lynch absolutely helping everybody in that division flourish. And she's using the NXT Championship as an excuse to boost women on NXT and women on Raw. So that's that's a hell of a feat, I'm not going to lie. Now, I say there's no way Lyra wins. Unless... 
There was a little uh, little face that popped up at the end of NXT there while Lyra was in her locker room on a TV screen for reasons. It was weird. Jade Cargill has gone to SmackDown. She's gone to Raw. She's gone to NXT. But she did the whole pointing at the watch thing, which either means it's clobber in time and Jade Cargill's here to announce that CM Punk is coming back, or she's going to make her presence felt on night one of Halloween Havoc. Now, there's a couple ways this could go. Becky wins, Jade Cargill, they, they do the old school thing on NXT where a champion retains and then the next challenger comes and steps up. I don't think they're going to have Jade Cargill wrestle on NXT, but she could make her statement on NXT. She could just step up to Becky Lynch and say, you know what, I'm your next challenge. You know, title or not, whatever. She could come down and cost Becky Lynch the title and then say, okay, let's go settle this on Raw, which would be awesome. She could help her retain the title in some sort of a thing that Becky Lynch doesn't expect and say, I want to be the next person to fight for that championship and we'll do it on Raw. I'm not going to do it here. Or what I had suggested on Twitter a couple of days ago is what if we get Becky Lynch versus a debuting Jade Cargill for the NXT Women's Championship at Survivor Series. Now, it doesn't sound like it makes any sense, does it? But that belt is being carried by Becky Lynch, who's one of the four horsewomen, or the three remaining horsewomen, I should say, one of the biggest names they have in the division right now. It's riding Becky Lynch's shoulder into a big four pay-per-view, and that is where brand new superstar Jade Cargill gets her title shot, gets her debut, gets her first platform. It does great guns for Jade Cargill. It does great guns for the prestige of the NXT Women's Championship. It does great guns for Survivor Series because all the hype surrounding the debut of Jade Cargill will be on Survivor Series. And considering that it's in Chicago and that pay-per-view is going to be hyped enough already, that's awesome. And it'll be another example of... Uh, what Becky Lynch can do for the company. It used to be when somebody was brand new on NXT, you would give them to Tyler Breeze because Tyler Breeze could give that person the best showing possible. On the main roster, you would give them to, depending on what kind of star they were, you, you would give them to a Rey Mysterio, a Dolph Ziggler, The Miz, depending on if it's a more character-driven person. Um, but you'd have like those safe pairs of hands, right? And if you give this, if you put so much oomph behind this Jade Cargill thing, Jade Cargill going for the NXT Championship at Survivor Series and make it that huge, the one that has to hold that up is Becky Lynch, and I think that's a huge feather in her cap as well. Do I think that's necessarily going to happen? No. Do I think she's just going to show up on the stage and wave and say hi to everybody? Maybe we find out what her entrance is uh, in WWE for the first time. Do they, uh, do they go the Tony Khan route? Does she keep her music from AEW and bring it over with her? I don't think that's a huge deal. I don't think that's necessarily something that they would want to do, but it's something that they can look at. It's... Um, it's a wealth of possibilities, shall we say. And, like I say, all of this, all the ladies' matches, 
all the spin the wheel, make the deal, all those types of things. The debut of Lexus King, the potential debut of Jade Cargill, a really, really fun tag team championship match. You got two fun hosts in Shotzi and Scarlet. You got a band I've never heard of playing a song that I've never heard of, but it's going to be live on the show. So that's a lot of fun. Remember when we didn't know who Poppy was? Now we know who Poppy was. Poppy basically became the NXT house band for a second, but let's not worry about that. Um, tell me what you guys are thinking uh, before night one of Halloween Havoc, and let me know in the box below or at, on Twitter at Spaz Phoenix, or should I say X at Spaz Phoenix, what do you think we're going to get on night two? Because like I said, we've only got two matches, really, for night two, and that's Ilya Dragunov versus Carmelo Hayes 3, and the finals of the breakout tournament, which is going to be Kalani Jordan winning the breakout tournament. Anyways... I've been Spaz, your YWC reality check. Subscribe up there, talk down there, start a conversation, keep all these conversations going. Don't be a stranger. I will talk to you generally last one of you later, but for right now, I am tagging up. Bye, guys.